Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. You ready? Yeah. All right. Tell us everything about the greatest shot you ever took. Hmm. I'm Roger Sharp. I've always wanted to be a writer. Wife, girlfriend. Boyfriend. Divorced, actually. You should be happy. You finally wrote something important. So you're single. Welcome to GQ. The people are going for drinks. Actually, I have a date. This probably sounds weird, but I play pinball all the time. Helps me focus. Are you any good? It may be the thing that I am best at. Why are they taking the machines? We got busted. It never even occurred to me that the game was illegal. But for over three decades, pinball was banned in New York City. I want to show the city council members that they've had it wrong for all these years. Oh, you're a reporter? I just have a question about the pinball ban, sir. Somebody keep these damn kids away from me. We're going to set up a hearing and we'd like you to come in to testify. You're going to play pinball at City Hall? I want to redeem the game. <laughs> that is a game of chance. That is a game of skill. Well... Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 513. Releasing across the US on March 17 in theaters and on demand is Pinball, the man who saved the game, an engrossing true story about how in 1976, writer and pinball historian Roger Sharp challenged a 40-year-old lord that pinball was illegal in New York City. A fascinating and entertaining indie biopic that is filled with terrific performances, an endearing story, and great period detail. Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game, also marks the feature film debuts of directors Austin and Meredith Bragg, who I'm glad to say join me now on the podcast. Austin and Meredith, I thank you so very much for your time today. Thanks for having us. Meredith, I want to begin with you. You know, what I love about watching movies is that Sometimes you can be reintroduced or introduced to like these real life figures are kind of like lost in history, right? And Roger Sharp is definitely one of these one of these people. Um, what was it about him that really kind of endeared to you to want to make a story? And did you know even that anything about Roger or the fact that pinball was illegal for such a long time in the state of New York City? Because to me, it's kind of mind boggling to think about it, but it was quite a commonplace practice for like 30, 40 years, not only in New York City, but in other states as well across the U.S. Um, I knew a little bit about it. Um, I'm not sure where we first came across the, um, the factoid that, uh, New York, New York had banned pinball and that this GQ writer with a beautiful mustache had helped save the game by proving that it was a game of skill and not chance in front of the New York city council. Um, but I didn't know that it was going to be a movie until i cold emailed roger uh, february of 2020 just to see if he'd talk didn't know if it was a short documentary didn't know if it was anything but it was a story that was on a long google doc full of other ideas that austin and i have and i don't know it just it felt like something worth exploring so um 
he graciously got back to me. We got on the phone three hours later when I hung up, I called Austin. I said, I think this might be a feature. He had told us about all the other things happening around his life that made it a little bit more universal. Mm. Uh, but we're not pinball people. This is a well-known story in the pinball community. But um, uh, it was it was the fact that we now had an A and B plot and even sort of a C plot that we could we could mix into um, 90 minutes. Uh, that's what, uh, you know, we, that's what we found after talking with Roger. Um, and I got to say, I love, deeply love the uh, esoteric, bizarre facts of history and people of history that get brought up and given a cinematic treatment. I devour that sort of content. So um, uh, I may have been on the lookout for something like that. I always read little tiny things in magazines and think, could this be a movie? Could this be a movie? Most of the time they can't. Um, they don't uh, have enough meat there. But thankfully with Roger, we were able to to make it happen. You know, Austin, my experience with pinball is admittedly very limited. Played it once in a while. Um, and I didn't know that it was such an intrinsic, intrinsic game. Um, I just hit the buttons on the side, let the ball roll where it may, and whatever happens, happens. Was, did you have the kind of the same, uh, you know, did you come from the same place that I did in regards to your experience uh, with pinball? And what do you learn about the game as you're researching this project? Um, is there anything in particular that really kind of stood out for you um, when it comes to not only the playing of pinball, but the structure of a pinball machine? Sure. We uh, were not pinball people as we sort of stepped into this. So we've certainly become pinball people over time. Um, but anyone who has seen us play uh, knows that we are very, very much not pinball people. Uh, we are terrible, not just uh, when standing next to Roger, but just in general. Um, but doing this research and digging through, you know, not just Roger's book, but all of his notes and um, and and looking into some of the history ourselves, it's really been fascinating to watch the game sort of evolve and mature over time uh and I, what really stands out to me is the sort of dedication and um the sort of family nature of the industry i mean you had competing companies um in chicago uh all putting out games um that would still reach out and help each other uh when you know when times got hard i mean there was a war and suddenly parts were hard to come by or um you know copper was being rationed it was again you know they were stripping telephone wires to uh to get enough um copper to put into these games um and i never knew how popular it was i mean there was such a boom uh, early on and especially overseas at one point in our research I, I think we saw that manufacturers were selling something like 60 percent or 80 percent of their machines to europe um it was a huge game with a huge following um and then to have it banned uh in so many cities across the country was just flabbergasting to us um but what really sticks out to me is just how how much the sort of pinball community still to this day rallies around the game. I mean, we had an enormous amount of support from the pinball community. Um, the most obvious example is just sourcing those games. We had, uh, you know, vintage machines on hand 
something like 25, 30 machines mm. uh, on set. Uh, which, by the way, was uh, very fun. Uh, when the lunch when it came time for lunch, uh, you'd hear them power on and uh, have the cast and crew playing in between shots. It was pretty great. You know, Meredith, the the um, <clears throat> excuse me, the Roger Sharp in the movie comes across as an incredibly endearing character, um, and I was really curious about what he was like in real life. So I found some videos online of his different interviews and such, and that endearing quality, that that quality to tell a good story, that quality to kind of meander a little bit as well, or kind of shun through in those videos that I was I was watching. Um, what's he like as a person to to talk to, to to pick the brain of? Because I imagine he would be the kind of guy that could really kind of hold a room and and, and not let it go until unless uh, he was ready to do so. Our Zoom calls routinely went three, four, five hours. Mm. Um, and, you know, then we got to ask the next, the follow-up question, the next Zoom. Um, I mean, it was, it's, he, um, he's a talker and he's open. Once he trusted us um, to, he, he sort of opened his entire life to us and gave us so much information. Um, and, you know, we've, we've made documentaries in the past. Um, and this felt in some ways a little bit more like making a documentary than making a fictional narrative because we had so much to work with. And really, we were whittling down what made the most sense for the story instead of the other way around where we needed to build something up. Um, but uh, Roger has been amazing, not just opening up his life to us. Um, he helped source the machines that got into the film. He was adamant um, that the, the pinball be correct because he still works in this industry. Um, so his, his sort of... Um, uh, love and devotion to pinball is definitely something that comes out um uh, even today and then also after the film you know when we were going on festivals circuit he's coming to the festivals he's giving part you know being q doing q a's with us um and just supporting it online and i mean i yeah i don't think you could ask for a better partner especially when <laughs> early on in our conversations you tell someone Hey, we want to make a movie about you and it's going to be a comedy. Um, you know, that's that could be difficult to uh to swallow at first. Uh but but he trusted us and and really uh, helped us hone the script to make sure the pinball was right and and most everything you see in the film, I would say about 90 to 95% of the plot points are 100% accurate. That's exactly what happened. Um the, you know, we telescoped some time a bit um sort of pushed a couple things in we even call out a couple times where we the facts have been uh shifted a bit for a narrative needs um but uh yeah roger's been great to the whole process he's he's uh he's a he's a really he's a friend now and is it true better that roger does all of the pinball playing in the movie as well he he does most of the pinball playing in them yes yeah, so the last day we were shooting pinball inserts. Um, Austin was, uh, we had, because we could co-direct, it occasionally means that we will go with different units. So that just happened to be one of the days that we were at a B unit. And I was with pinball inserts and Austin was off directing, I think, um, most of the the void older Roger material. And then an, exter an exterior we had to do a pickup on for other purposes. And um, we were shooting, we had to, hit these targets 
and Roger's there. And I thought, who better to do this than Roger? So we asked Roger if he would uh, he would be willing. And because of the way the camera and everything's set up, he sort of had to contort his body a little bit. And then he just nails it. It's shocking how good good pinball players are, even in this bizarre contorted position that is incredibly unnatural and i'm not sure how long he could hold he was hitting the targets we did not have to reset a lot for him it was it was pretty great um i just want to put a, put a little trivia to both of you the book roger's book pinball how much do you think the uh, used hardcover uh, of that book is on, <laughs> on amazon oh, we- right now we know because we have a soft cover. We probably should have bought a hard cover. <laughs> uh, I know there is currently one going for five grand. Five I grand. believe the the other two are um, there. Are two others last time I looked that were going for five hundred. Yes, which is a little bit still much more than they were when we were initially starting this project and bought one. You can get the soft cover for less than a hundred. Yes, it's a <laughs> wonderful book. I highly recommend it, and the pictures from James Hamilton are great. I gotta say, my eyeballs went a little large when I read that read that price because I was like, "Ooh, I got to get that book," and I was like, oh, "No, I don't need to get that book." Um, Austin, I want to talk to you about Mike Faced because I thought he was just terrific in 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 the movie. He's a great actor all around, um, and just the qualities I was talking before about Roger. He really just he gets those qualities and he, and he creates a really great, uh, you know character out of this character you know i think that's the best way to kind of to kind of say it um what was it about mike that really kind of uh spoke to you that he could play roger and uh what was it like when you first approached mike with this with this subject because you know it's one thing where you're saying you're making a biopic sometimes um biopics can have a can have a um a bit of cred on them to be kind of like stuffy kind of like um um oscar baby kind of uh you know movies but biopics like your film I kind of compare to things like Disaster Artist or American Splendor, these kind of films about larger life characters who you don't know just how much of an impact they have on history, but uh, it is quite, quite large. I'm sure that was something Mike found to be uh, really uh, appealing uh, when approaching a character like Roger. I I mean, I would hope so. Uh, We were first, uh, you know, I think the first time we had Mike Feist's name cross our desk was... Uh, thanks to Lindsay Weissmuller, our casting director, who was fantastic. Um, and, uh, you know, we uh, looked at some of his materials and, um, you know, we just sort of went for it. And I have to say, we hit him at the right time. Um, like, I think we got extremely lucky. If we had, you know, if we had contacted him three months earlier or three months later, it might not have worked. But uh, he, he had already done west side um but due to the pandemic west side hadn't opened yet in fact he got our script it was our script was handed to him as he was boarding a plane going to a private screening of west side in la and he read it on the plane and to hear him tell it he said oh i don't want to do a project let me read the script okay i like the script but uh, maybe the directors are jerks so i'll talk to them first uh, we got on a zoom uh, with Mike and I mean honestly within 20 minutes I think we were all getting along probably too well and he just said all right fine let's do it <laughs> and, um and it's really uh just fantastic an amazing actor first and foremost yeah. but second just a great personality to have on set um Mike is you know it 
we we have a 21 day shoot mike is in pretty much every single scene he's going to be there you know all day every day and was just fantastic um he would you know great relationship with every everyone else on cast and crew before we even started filming he flew out to uh spend some time with roger um and sort of you know get his measure of the man and they apparently had a great time um just wonderful can't can't speak highly enough of the man the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by t public t public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise with over 1.2 million designs t public is sure to have something you love the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon, the world's leading online store. Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. You know, Austin, throughout um, movies, there have been great props. James Bond has his gadgets. Tom Hanks had Wilson and Castaway. Mike Feist has a magnificent moustache in, in this movie. <laughs> Moustache so magnificent, I'm sure Sam Elliott will watch this movie and say to himself, God damn, that's a good moustache. <laughs> Two-part question. Number one, moustache, real or not? Number two, acting with a moustache. Does Mike Feist have to approach moustache acting in a different kind of way? Does that impede dialogue? Does that impede breathing? Does that impede, I don't know, the distractions of people working across from him? I mean, because a uh, uh, moustache like that, it's a entity all of its own isn't it yeah so okay to the first part real or not uh thank you um it no it is definitely not real it was uh glued to his face every single morning um and he loved it he loves having things glued to his face that's what we learned over time even having an allergic reaction to the adhesive he loves every moment of that um lies <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it's a challenge uh the thing is with if you're doing something about roger sharp you can't leave a mustache out no. of the picture i mean that mustache google if you're listening google that photo of roger sharp in the city council chambers in 1976 the mustache is insane right it and it has become sort of uh almost Roger Sharp's personal logo, right? That's part of his brand at this stage, that crazy mustache. Um and no one can grow a mustache like Roger. So of course we're gonna have to to glue it on every morning. Um, Meredith, I want to talk about the structure of the film. You guys really have fun with this movie. Um, you kind of correct the record throughout the movie, kind of make fun of kind of like uh, biopics and romantic kind of like stereotypes in movies. Um, and on top of that, you cut back to like an older shop who's played by Dennis Bilzikaris, who's an actor who's been around a long time. 
you know, I think I think a lot of people, of course, remembered watching him back in uh, Batteries Not Included uh, back in like '86, and and talk about magnificent mustaches. I mean, that guy's got had mustaches and beards and all sorts of stuff throughout his career. What was it like in regards to putting together the structure of the film? Did you know you guys really really wanted to mess around with the film and go in and out into different kind of like um, points of view? Um, you wanted to do the whole kind of record scratch kind of thing in there, have fun with music as well. Um, is that something that, that was always kind of like front of mind when putting uh, this film together? Whenever you're doing a low budget indie, um, it's a pretty crowded marketplace. And we knew we had to do something different to get, to make it fun, make it different. Um, so, I don't remember who came up with that idea. It may have been Austin. I'm, this is part of the the issue with the way that we work is we we talk so much and we we end up stealing each other's ideas to the point where we don't remember who actually first came up with it. But <laughs> I I immediately uh, I loved the idea because it gave us a lot of freedom to play in ways that I hadn't seen before um, in a film and especially in a biopic like this, uh, and also because. Um, it mirrored a little bit of what we were going through as we were talking with Roger. Um, you know, we would we would talk with Roger over Zoom and we would pitch ideas and come up with narratives. He was reading, you know, treatments and, and scripts and occasionally he would have issues with something. Um, and um, because we had Hollywoodized it a little too much and we, we ended up having fun with that um, in a way that I thought, uh, helped both of us. Um, it helped us create something that we felt moved along plot wise and made sense thematically, but it also helped with his deep desire to get things right. And the history is important is something that he says multiple times. Um, and then it's also came from, again, I mentioned, I think that, you know, I love these biopic movies. Um, I really, I gravitate towards them, but when it's done, I will. I'm the guy that goes on Wikipedia and looks up what was correct and what wasn't because mm. I want to know the real history. And I don't begrudge anyone making um, uh, taking poetic license for something. I think you need to uh, yeah. because these are. But I also it. I end up using these as sort of gateway to learn the deeper history of something. Um, and uh, so uh, I enjoyed that aspect of it too. We we could play around with with that. Uh, but thank you. I I. It's one of the decisions we made pretty early on that I think um, I'm glad we stuck with. I'm glad you stuck with it too, because I watch a lot of movies and there's a lot of times I do get kind of biopics and such coming my way. So anytime anyone can mess around with structure and they can do so in a really kind of successful way like you guys did, I really appreciate that. So thank you. Um, Austin, final question. Um, the whole basis of this film, I think, and you know, Roger's standing in his life at that time was about the importance of kind of like just stepping outside of your comfort zone and taking a risk, um, calling your shot and making it, you know, that's a thing that a lot of people say these days, you know, call your, call your shot, you know, go out there, you know, take that risk. Um, and it's not only about that, it's also about having a commitment and a purpose. And I think, I think in a lot of ways that speaks to a lot of like what people in a creative space do as well. Um, you guys as filmmakers, um, I, I, I consider myself to be part of the creative space in some way in, in my writing and content creation as well. And a lot of that stuff does come with risk because, you know, no one promises anything about anyone reading your stuff or watching your stuff or doing whatever. You, you could have a, you could be a real 
as there's twice as many failure stories as there are success stories. Um, how important is it, do you think, that this story really does show that sometimes you need to stand by your values, your principles, and live up to what could be your purpose in life? And sometimes you just got to take that deep dive, man. You got to crash into the ocean and and try to swim to the shore because I think it's a real kind of important life lesson for a lot of people to learn. Yeah, I mean, that really is the theme at the heart of this film, right? Is the idea of your life is defined by risk, right? Those you take and uh, those that you don't. Um, and so that was that was important for us to drive home in, in numerous regards, right? We have a lot of people taking risk. We have, you know, some people who are averse to risks and trying to keep things safe and in control. Uh, and it's about finding a balance that, that works for you. Um, but I mean, that really is the heart of it, whether we're talking about something as, you know, seemingly small as a game of pinball or something as important as who you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Um, that's, you know, risk and, and reward. That's what this whole movie is about. And, you know, I think we felt a kinship in a lot of ways as we were making this, you know, we're, we're telling the story of, of Roger going out on the limb in a couple different ways. Uh, but I think what resonated most with me was his book, right? He's stretching and trying to create this thing for the, the his first book that um, he's uh, going to put out there. And he's, he, the finances, time, he, in fi he finances himself, right? And I mean, he just, yep. he's a struggling writer, you know, doing all this stuff, doing a book on pinball. That's, that's, that takes balls, man. And here we are trying to make a film about that. So uh, for our first feature. So, you know, that's something that, uh, you know, we had to sort of embody ourselves and get out of our comfort zone and, and give it a try. Well, for everyone out there listening in the US, March 17 in theaters and video on demand, Pinball, The Man Who Saved the Game, I really recommend people check out this film. And if you have a chance, check it out in theater, go to the cinema, watch this film there. Um, just as good on the small screen, but I do recommend people get out there because more people who watch indie films in the cinema, the more receipts we get there, the more indie films can get in the cinema. Um, it's really important that I really stress that to people out there. And Austin Meredith, I thank you so very much for your time today. I really like this film. I love this film. Um, and I had so much fun watching it, and I can't wait to put up my review on this podcast so other people can get a chance to watch it as well. You guys did great work here. So thank you both for your time. And if you ever get like a, one of those uh, – ideas off that google spreadsheet uh, ready to up and running again and, and made let me know because i'd love to talk to you guys again it's been a pleasure well thank Perfect. you so thank much you so for much. having us i'll just let everyone know if they want to know where it is screening or or any of the news they can go to pinballfilm.com that's where we're keeping everything and i'll make sure those links are up there with my review and uh, podcast as well awesome awesome excellent thanks guys thank you so very much hey thank, thank you. you really great. appreciate it